Uh, welcome to the M Network podcast. Uh, the M Network is a full-service branding, advertising, and strategic communications firm, and we're based in Miami, Florida. Our focus is social issues, uh, issues like homelessness and child advocacy, foster care, education, the arts, those types of things. Uh, what we do is we work with the government agencies and foundations and organizations and individuals that are really trying to change the world for the better. Uh, so the idea for this show is to pull a member of the M Network team away from their day job in order to talk about issues they happen to be working on and are passionate about. So uh, to kick us off with our very first episode, I'm turning to... Uh, yeah, just uh, say Guerrero. Guerrero? I yeah. can gringo it up? Yeah. Okay. This is Danny Guerrero. She's our youngest and newest <laughs> M Network employee. Uh, she's also our smartest M Network employee. Um, I thought this would be a really good project for her to work on. This is Tom Moslum and he's my boss. And what are we talking about today, Danny? Um, we are talking about sea level rise in Miami, in South Florida. So did you, what were your thoughts on sea level rise coming into this? Can you frame them in a sort of like a bite-sized chunk? Well, <laughs> so I wasn't super optimistic about the I, I mean I'm an optimistic person in general but I was like yeah we're definitely gonna be under like we're gonna be building bubbles to like hold all the houses Miami is gonna be like an underwater city or something like like I figured we'd still be here as people but probably not <laughs> above above water now that you've interviewed everybody uh are we still in bubble house mode? I think, I think we'll be fine. I don't think we'll need bubble houses. Not that they're not like immensely cool, but yeah, the bubble houses are a very good idea. I think we might still have like coastal bubble houses, like for fun, but I don't think we'll get to the point where we're going to need them. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait to hear these interviews. <laughs> so uh, who did you speak to that made you so optimistic? Um, I contacted the people um, that worked for organizations funded by the Miami Foundation. Um, we spoke to Kate Stein. And who is she? She is a freelance journalist. Um, she is also my friend. I'm Kate Stein, and I am a freelance climate change and environment reporter in South Florida. I also work on education related to climate change for journalists and for the public. I do not love climate change. <laughs> I do not support or endorse or advocate for climate change. Um, I like it because it's a mix of everything. Um, it's the environment, it's talking about people, it's policy, it requires a lot of creativity um, to get people to read my stories and to, you know, as a writer it's really exciting to be like, oh, this is the perfect detail about, you know, the dinosaur in front of the Turkey Point nuclear power plant or, you know, I don't know, including this theme song from The Little Mermaid in one of my radio stories. That's really exciting. And I get to learn all this science, which I thought I hated science growing up. It turns out I really like science when I am like digesting it for myself and then trying to interest other people in it. Um, so that's exciting. And <laughs> I don't know, I just like kind of the incongruousness of being able to laugh and be hopeful about <laughs> something that's so like doom and gloom all the time. Um, so maybe it's just my relentless optimism. <laughs> 
she's immensely enthusiastic. Yes, she's very giggly. Um, and who else? We spoke to Yokar Diti Rocha from Clio. So, so Clio was founded by a science teacher um, named Caroline Lewis, um, who about 10 years ago started understanding uh, the impact um, on our climate and decided to do what she knows best, which is educating people. Um, fast forward 10 years now, Clio has become the only climate education um, nonprofit in South Florida. You have climate change experts, and I get that, but what does that have to do with sea level rise? Well, climate change is a big reason why sea level rise is happening, right? Like, Yoka explains this really well. Sea level rises because our oceans are becoming warmer. Um, and as the molecules start to expand because of that excess heat, the level starts to rise. Same concept as you boil you know, water mm -hmm. for, to, to, to make pasta. Mm -hmm. if, you leave it, if you leave it unattended, the, the, the volume will, raise, will rise up and, and, and you'll make a mess in your kitchen. Wait, it's not, it's not that the ice shelves are melting? <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's a common misconception, but uh, as Yoka explained, it's actually because the water, the water mo molecules are expanding because it's getting warmer. Exactly, and melting ice has a, a, a good um, amount, uh, contributes a good amount to the problem, but the majority of, 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 of the rise that we have seen um, in the last ye few years have come from um, ocean um, waters becoming excessively warmer and the, the thermal expansion of the molecules. Oh, so so it's not that there's more water. Yeah. Right, the, the water's bigger. It takes up more room. Yeah, that sounds about right. Got it. Um, so some of the other things that Kate and Yoko touched on were... That will mean things like we start to lose parts of the Everglades. We start to see more and more King's Hyde flooding. I think like 200 days a year of tidal flooding, not just king tide flooding. Um, we see water flowing into septic tanks. There are something like 60,000 septic tanks in Miami-Dade County that are already vulnerable to sea level rise, um, and that number will grow, obviously, as the seas get higher. So this is, the, usually there is a misconception that this is only a coastal issue. Um, unfortunately for us, uh, we are, we are uh, on um, limestone, which is a very porous bedrock, so we tend to see water rise um, through the bottom also as it seeps through, and that poses a tremendous impact to our drinking water supply because we, our drinking water supply comes from an aquifer, um, and we have already um, seen impacts in several uh, parts of the county, not only here in Miami-Dade, but also in Broward County, when we start to see saltwater intrusion, meaning when the water starts, the salt water starts to intrude our drinkable water supplies. Our groundwater table is going to get higher, so when it rains, we'll potentially have more flooding if we don't have the stormwater system to deal with all of that. That's the sort of that's some of the slow, long-term impacts that we might see. And then there are also things like, you know, the heat's, it's going to get hotter too, which we don't talk that much about heat, but that's a significant portion of climate change in South Florida. And that means it's going to be 
harder to live here if you're someone who has who's sensitive to heat if you're elderly if you're very young if you have a pre-existing health condition that's the slow long-term track that we're on all all of that is very bad um did anything catch you by surprise some things that i didn't know beforehand i thought that the the thing about public housing was really interesting the fact that you could, <laughs> public housing in Miami doesn't have it's not required to have AC but it's required to have a heater that's, yeah that's crazy because that's wild that <laughs> you you would have a heater in Miami day a lot of affordable housing here in Miami uh, they don't have an air conditioning mandate so in other words um, housing um, HUD doesn't have a mandate for South Florida houses to have air conditioning. So a lot of those houses, um, they have a heater inside of them, but they don't have an AC unit. Uh, Okay, that's ridiculous, Uh, but also a sidebar. Let's get back to sea level rise. Um, How soon does this happen? How, How soon do I have to, you know wear my galoshes when I walk out my front door. Um, so Kate um, went in to explain sea level rise through the length of a mortgage cycle. The projection that most planners use in Southeast Florida is two feet of sea level rise by 2060. So we're in 2019, that's 40 years from now, a little bit over the length of a mortgage cycle. That's the middle projection, the median projection. I wouldn't say it's necessarily to the point where people are pulling out of our economy yet because of climate change or you know, perceived risk from hurricanes. But it's conceivable that in the not too distant future, um, they could start to say, oh, Miami is way too risky in the medium to long term, so I'm not gonna invest there at all. And because we're an economy that's driven in large part by real estate, um, that means potentially our economy could be sunk by climate change, but before the water even gets here. So, you know, I listen to this, and I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> it just seems such an enormous problem to me. I really do want to just go put my head in the sand and just, you know, somebody wake me up in time to move from the waters. Is that because I'm just old and curmudgeonly and you're not? Or <laughs> Yeah, it's because I've got so much life left to give, Tom. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um now, I mean, seriously, though, I mean, to Kate's point, part of this sounds like, uh, you know, we have to think about a real strategy of retreat. Where do people go? I mean, presumably we'd go north where we build bubble houses. <laughs> you are fixated on bubble houses. I just, it's 2019. I feel like it could happen. What portion of the population is directly affected by a sea level rise mm-hmm. a, a lot of it right yeah so presumably where do they it. go that would be the hardest part for people is moving away from their home like it's not the fact that yes they need to find new jobs they need to find houses is they'd be losing their so, home i thought you said you were optimistic where does the optimism come in in this this sounds depressing um i mean it is really depressing but there are also a lot of different people working on this issue in Miami right now. Um, there's a lot of other organizations doing good work on this. Um, and there are a lot of solutions already out there that we haven't implemented yet. 
I don't know if you have heard about the Drawdown Project. The Drawdown Project is the most comprehensive um, plan ever proposed to reverse global warming. They have identified 100 solutions. And these are solutions that are already available. I mean, about 80 of them are already being implemented somewhere in the world and the other 20s are already coming into the pipeline. But just with those 80, we should be able to withdraw and, and draw down greenhouse gas levels significantly that could st stabilize our climate. Um, and, and, and the top 10 will surprise you. You know, number one is, the number one, uh, and they're ranked by, by the effectiveness and, and, the, and the global warming potential reduction that they have. Uh, but the number one is uh, reducing uh, or eliminating uh, refrigerants that the current refrigerants that we're using right now for, for our like, cooling systems, they have a tremendously high um, global warming potential. Uh, your number three solution is reducing food waste. You probably would have thought it could have been wind or solar. No, number three is reducing food waste. Wait, wait, wait. Is she talking about my personal food waste or like industrial food waste? Is it like, you know, if I throw away, you know, the last three bites of my burger, that's a bad thing? Yeah, like that that makes people very uncomfortable. Like the idea that there is something in the way that you perform everyday tasks or the way that you go about your life that is somehow contributing to a huge problem. When um, food waste goes to a landfill, it decomposes and, and gives off methane. And methane is a potent heat-trapping gas. It's a greenhouse um, gas that has a bigger warming potential than CO2. In fact, about 25 times more. We waste about a third of the food we produce. So, in other words, um, when we send our food waste to the landfill, it, 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 it emits really potent greenhouse gases. Number four is adopting a plant-based meal. Oh my gosh, let me guess. We're going to talk about cow farts next, right? Exactly. No! No! What do you have against meat? Oh! <laughs> So um, meat, our meat production, uh, it's really driving um, a lot of heat-trapping gases into the atmosphere in different ways. Number one, uh, we the way cows graze, uh, we usually do it in a very, the traditional way has been cutting down land, cutting down forests to have um, livestock graze for acres or acres of lawn. In fact, in one-third of the emissions um, at a global scale come from deforestation, um, much of that related to, to, to cow grazing and um, livestock practices. The other component is um, the emissions from, that come from cows themselves. And cow uh, releases gas, uh, also known as methane. And you already learned that methane is a Potent, Big more potent greenhouse. greenhouse gas than CO2. All right. Holy smokes, Danny. I don't feel so bad anymore. Yeah, in this I, case, no, it, not always, but yeah. I, I hate to say it. I might be turning into an optimist on this, too. It's yeah. because, you know, it's things that I can do. I mean, I, I could throw away less food. I could, uh, I could eat less meat, although I'd hate that. But I could eat meat that's, that's grazing responsibly. It's... it's it's not that hard, right? <laughs> you don't have to come up with bubble houses. You don't have to invent something new. It's already there. Um, I'm going to keep mentioning bubble houses. I, like I think bubble houses. I believe we've come up with a name for this episode. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I found really interesting um, was Kate's perspective just as a journalist. 
um, and seeing the work that she she has done and the people that she's talked to and kind of her whole perspective on sea level rise um, just from doing her job. In addition to how excited I get about South Florida's watery future, <laughs> it's been really exciting working on sea level rise here because there's so much happening in journalism on it as well. Um, it's been a really interesting thing to be a part of. I feel like I'm watching the evolution of my industry at the same time as I'm trying to figure out how to get people to cover this, which is cool. Um, so in terms of a specific policy that you think, um, or one that you think that would be most effective, is there something in particular that you're pushing for um, or something that's happening in Miami-Dade locally that you think would have the most impact on reducing sea level rise? Well, I can't say that I'm pushing for anything, mm -hmm. but the things that I report on the most, I mean, there's a lot of interest in, more than interest, there's a lot of advocacy going on mm -hmm. for a carbon tax or carbon fee and dividend, um, which basically puts a price on carbon emissions, the carbon fee and dividend, the money that corporations pay for producing carbon, they that money goes to the government and it's redistributed um, to the citizens. So that's a group like Citizens Climate Lobby is really advocating for that. Um, specific policies in Miami-Dade or in South Florida in general, uh, a lot is happening with the Regional Climate Change Compact. Um, so that's Monroe, Broward, mm -hmm. Miami-Dade, and Palm Beach counties. They're thinking about what policies and what mix of adaptation and mitigation um, would be best to address these issues. Um, specific policies in Miami-Dade, well, we're waiting for the launch of the Resilient 305 um, strategy from the Miami-Dade County Office of Resilience and their partners, Miami Beach and the city of Miami. And I think I'm hopeful that that will be, or I, I, I'm expecting that that will be some of what guides mm -hmm. policy for the people in all the different cities in Miami-Dade County as they figure out what to do next. All right. Well, you know, it's it's interesting to me because I, I really think now now that I know more, I think we can do this. There's stuff that we can do. Um, more people just need to know it, right? Like, um, but I also think that it's cool what Kate is doing um, and how she is participating in these movements to educate reporters and educate the media and how to report on these stories without making them you know ridiculous and also making them relatable for people living here right now um but again you know something yoka brought up a lot is that there are current solutions to this problem they're just not being implemented um sometimes because of politics sometimes for financial reasons um but there are solutions I think something that she said was that that kept her optimistic is you know if you look at all of these solutions and you realize that the common thing between them the thing that's preventing all of them from being implemented is policy you can do something about policy um, you know theoretically if everyone goes out and vote and the system works the way it tells us it's supposed to um, but yeah if the only thing that stands in the way of changing something as policy, then you can totally do that. You don't need to invent anything new. You don't have to do anything outrageous, anything that doesn't exist already. Um, and I think that makes people optimistic because the solutions are already there. They're just not being implemented. Um, okay, so if I, if I want to do something about this, if I want to volunteer, if I want to get involved with one of these 
awesome organizations, what, what do I do? Um, so you can go to the Miami Foundation website. They have something called Nonprofit Central where you can go and look up different nonprofits in the Miami area, South Florida area. Um, there are other nonprofits working on environmental issues, climate change issues. If you would like to donate directly to Clio, you can visit their website and uh, I guess you could send Kate a check. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post her home address to the website. I'm sure she'd appreciate that. And gifts for Christmas. Um, okay, well, that, uh, ra- that wraps up episode one of the M Network's new podcast. Thank you, Danny, for pulling all that together. Uh, and really to the whole M Network team, you guys did a great job. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about the M Network, visit us at m.network. Uh, and please be on the lookout for more M Network podcasts on interesting people, important issues, and valuable information on how you can help change the world. From the M Network, uh, I'm Tom Mosloon. Thank you for listening.